Warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Taryn Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara and today I am bringing you another installment of my scary AF Reddit stories. I am super excited. I found a bunch more, so you'll be getting this not only today, but next Monday as well. Before I dive in, I just want to say hello and welcome to any new listeners, returning spooksters, welcome back. If you are not and would like to hang out with us on social media, what are you doing? Get over there. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at 3 Girls. I'm also on TikTok as Spooky underscore Sleuth, and Jessica is Spooky Aunt Jessie. And if you're driving or anything like that, I have a handy dandy link tree down below in the show notes that will take you to all things us. If you would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com backslash three spooked girls. For as little as a dollar, you get one bonus episode a month, and it goes up from there. Starting at our $5 tier, you get ad-free episodes. And we typically get those up the day before. There's video content, all kinds of fun stuff over there. But that's really all I got. So I'm just going to go ahead and dive into our first story. All right. So I pretty much went with the similar threads I've been using. There was one that had about 8,000 replies. So a plethora of fucking stories. So this person wrote, I've got a good one for this. To start, I'm a straight dude, and I used to work at Victoria's Secret. No, not selling things on the floor, a stock boy. Pinning security tags on things, moving heavy boxes, climbing ladders, squashing bugs. I thought they were kind of sexist for literally saying that last bit in the interview, but they turned out to have some spiders that were about five inches wide when you counted the legs. So I kind of understood after seeing that. Killed the thing with a box because I was worried that if I tried to step on it, it might win. Anyways, back to the point. So my manager that day was this lady who was pregnant as hell, but a very chill pregnant lady, handled the pain and mood swings oddly well, cheerful and straightforward at seven months preggers. This woman comes up for an exchange, no big deal. Manager types out the ticket and goes to take the security tags off the new clothes and the woman cuts her off. No, 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 don't touch it. Um, I need to take the tags off so you can leave with it. I, uh, you can't get pregnant that way. Please don't touch it. If you touch it and then I touch it, I can get pregnant. (laughs) Oh my God, (laughs) y'all. I haven't had sex in three years and I don't want to get pregnant. I'll get one of the other girls to help you. So she grabs one of the non-pregnant co-workers and gets them to finish out the return. 
She then comes into the back because, holy shit, that actually just happened and somebody needs to hear about it. So she comes into the back to tell me all about it. She has some trouble getting her words together, mostly just making those, I can't believe this just happened faces. While she's getting herself together to tell the story, none of which I know at this point, by the way, and into the employee's only back room walks in that same lady. She starts to ask a question, but then notices me. Oh, you do have a boy working here. She then proceeds to dump out her newly purchased lingerie on a nearby box. Would you touch it? (laughs) What the fuck? As she motions to the lingerie. I try to awkwardly laugh it off as though it's a joke. She stares at me unflinchingly. Awkward silence comes over the room as this woman clearly will not leave until I touch it. I pick it up, fold it neatly, and put it back in her bag. The woman leaves. My manager then proceeds to tell me the previous story about how the woman thought she could catch pregnancy by touching something a pregnant woman touched, and I start to freak out a little. Then why was she so determined to have me touch her lingerie? The woman returned to the store three times that day each time making a beeline for the back room, only to be intercepted by my managers who would politely ask if she needed anything, and then she would leave. I left out the back door that night. Super kudos to the wonderful women who worked there. (laughs) What the fuck? And then they put a note saying, too long, didn't read. Woman thought she could catch pregnancy by touching something a pregnant lady touched. Demanded I touched her new underwear. That's just kind of odd. That one's not really scary, but I definitely would be like, what the actual fuck? Oh, oh my God. That's like, if anybody has what the fuck retail stories, I need to know. I mean, I just need to know. I'll read them somewhere. We'll read them on YouTube. Who knows? (laughs) Okay. So here's our next story. Me and my girlfriend a few years back took a month long road trip, driving up the West Coast of the United States, stopping at national parks and camping along the way. We were on our way to Death Valley a little later in the day around 5 p.m. We knew the sun would set around 8, and we knew we could get some pretty sweet magic hour shots of the sand dunes if we made it in time or both photographers. I don't know how much information on Death Valley is common knowledge, but it's known to have the lowest elevation in North America and has no cell phone reception. When you're heading in, it's strongly recommended that you let someone know what part of Death Valley you're going into, and what time you plan on heading out. If they don't hear from you by that time, they can call dispatch to send someone looking for you. If you're the adventurous type, finding you can be like looking for a needle in a haystack. We made the two-hour drive through 120-degree Fahrenheit weather, Windows rolled down and AC off in case the car overheats. Out in the sand dunes, just in time to catch the sun going down. Okay, wouldn't you want your AC on? I'm very confused. I don't know anything about cars, though. It's fine. Got some great photos. There's something strange about sunsets in Death Valley. There's faint streaks of purple and red haze that glow from the sun setting behind the mountains. It's kind of eerie. We get back into the car in the dark and start our long journey back. Just knowing if one of our tires popped could potentially lead us to being stranded put me on edge a little bit, so I was focused as hell. About 20 minutes into the drive, I noticed headlights behind us approaching at a pretty fast speed. As they got closer, they started flashing their high beams at us. I figured they wanted to drive around us, so I slightly pulled to the side, but they stuck right behind me, continuing to flash their lights. Now I'm thinking that it's somebody who needs help and they're asking for me to pull over. No, 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 you just fucking keep going. Gross, gross, gross. I slow to a stop, but sure as hell don't get out of the car. They stop behind me. I watch in my rearview mirror as close as possible to get any hint of what's going on. I can now see it's a minivan and there's some shuffling going on, but it's too dark to see who's inside. I sat there for a good minute trying to decide what to do. You leave. You drive. You fucking go. The side door of the van swings open and a light in the van turns on to reveal five to six teenagers grabbing from different parts of the van. They were each stepping out of the van and into the dark, one by one, walking towards the car. 
My foot hit that fucking gas pedal and the van's headlights were two specks in a few seconds. I had no idea what was going on, but we sure as hell weren't going to be part of it. Definitely put us in a weird mood for the night. No shit. Oh my god, my brain automatically would go to they were grabbing some kind of weapon or something sketch. Mm-mm-mm, no. That reminds me, I know when I was like a kid, they would talk about people flashing their lights to like pretend they were asking for help, but then they would like hurt people. <sighs> no, I'm not gonna stop ever. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so this one is a short one, but ew, I just read like a couple lines down. Okay. When I was a kid, my room didn't have curtains or blinds. Why? Why would parents think that's okay? No, thank you. One night I was up trying to sleep and it looked like a man was outside of my window. I screamed and ran and told my parents, but they didn't believe me. They said it was just a nightmare. Okay, this thread's old as fuck, but I really wish I could be like, did your parents even look? Because, just saying. I tried to go back to sleep and I brought our dog into my room for protection, but the dog wouldn't stop barking, so my dad took him out of the room. Then I saw the gleaming, creepy eyes watching me as an upside-down face grinned from outside my window. I screamed, but my parents still didn't believe me. I thought I was going to be murdered that night. The next morning, there was yelling and then the cops. Turns out there was a wanted man hiding out on our roof with a bunch of heroin all night. And when he tried to leave in the morning, our neighbor saw him climbing off our roof and into his yard. So he beat the crap out of him before calling the police. My parents didn't apologize and they never got me curtains, even though I... What the fuck? I'm sorry. What? How the fuck are you not going to apologize to your kid and then still not buy them curtains? Mm, There was some druggie on our roof creeping on you, but that's fine. No, no, no. Mm -mm. I also probably would have moved. No, thank you. Okay. Story four. I worked at a campground on night shift, 12 a.m. to 8 a.m. every night. It wasn't bad. I would bring in my PS2 and game a good portion of the night, only have to deal with one or two people on busy nights. It was just me in this little 8x8 shack with nothing around but dark all night. My first week there, the other third shift guy who was quitting told me about this payphone a few feet from the shack where I worked. He said it rang every night at 4.17 a.m. Just once. It was probably just an automated test call, he guessed. He never answered it himself. I go for a few months with the job. It was the middle of summer, so most nights I had the windows closed so I couldn't hear the payphone go off. Mid-August, I started leaving the windows open during the night. Sure enough, at 4.17 a.m., every morning, the phone would ring once. The ring even sounded creepy, like a payphone was submerged in water, then put where it sat. One night, I got up the nerve to answer it. I set my alarm at 4.15 and would go wait until the phone rang. When it did, I answered it. There was no sound. Just dead air, like when someone was on the other line, but wasn't answering. I said hello a few times and then hung up. I did this every night for a week with the same results. I didn't think anything of it and left it alone for about a month. The first week of October, I decided to answer the phone once again. I set my alarm and when the time came, I answered the phone. Hello? Hello? Then I heard what sounded like someone inhaling through clenched teeth. The voice that sounded was rough and sounded like he had gargled gravel. The best comparison I have is Horace P. Gage from The Suffering. He said my name, my complete name, first, middle, and last. It was a voice I had never heard. My voice caught in my throat and I hung up. I rattled some change into the payphone and hit star 69. The number had come from California, and I lived in Indiana. Ew. I don't like it. I'd love to know, like, what year that was. Ooh, don't like it. Because if it was a cell phone and somebody was watching him. Ew, I don't like it. Okay, story five. 
When I was 15, I moved to Utah. It was a smaller town just north of Salt Lake City and far enough west that the wind would carry in the smell of the lake and the air would reek of spoiled sea. I got dropped halfway into my sophomore year, which was terrible for an awkward kid in a new place because in Utah, they began high school with sophomore year, so I was effectively a freshman twice. The only luck I had was a girl that I met named Sarah and we started dating right at the end of the school year, so we were able to spend majority of the summer together. Now, you might not know this about Mormons, and I certainly hadn't, but in their church, they really like big families. Something about spirits in heaven requiring bodies. So it wasn't uncommon for the more devout Mormon families to have eight, nine, or more kids. It really just meant outdoor freezers packed with hamburger helper and houses with bigger kitchens. Sarah's family was pretty Mormon, and my family didn't practice much of any religion, so we just never discussed it. She had six sisters, seven in total, including her, ranging from six to 18. I only met her mom once, and she was always pregnant. I never spoke with her dad. I was a little too overwhelmed by meeting her family, and I avoided it. I probably would have figured it out then, but I had only lived in Utah for six months, and everything seemed so weird to me. I remember a particular night I had picked her up. She had a curfew, and it made it so I had to park down the street so she could sneak out. I wanted to jump over a small gully flanked by trees beside her house, but she refused, and we had to walk around, which meant passing by her parents' window. I thought it was weird, but I just assumed she was worried she might get her feet wet. It went like that for a couple of months. I would stop down the street, and I would wait while she walked besides the gully, around her house, and up the street to meet me. Sometimes I'd meet her at the road, but I was always careful not to walk too far onto the lawn in fear I'd wake her parents. One night it was raining, and I didn't want her to walk alone through the dark and the rain, so I had planned on surprising her by meeting her by the back door she snuck through. To save time and avoid walking by the window, I walked through the trees to the gully. The water was a bit higher and moving quicker than normal because of the rain runoff, but I figured I could make the jump. Man, was I wrong. My feet landed in the mud on the other side, but I sank immediately in the wet earth and splashed backwards hard into the muck. The rush of cold water was a shock and I reached up to grab a storm drain, but what I had grabbed dislodged and flowed down with me. The water wasn't very deep, maybe two to three feet, so I stuck my shoes in and I stood up still holding whatever turned out to be, oh... What turned out to be a black garbage bag. I dropped it and started to crawl up and my hand landed on another black garbage. Oh my God, this is scaring me. On another black garbage bag. I tried to crawl up, but they kept dislodging in the slick, vicious grime. It must have been the third or fourth time I tried to find something to grip onto when I accidentally tore one open. Oh no, man. Oh God, y'all. At first I thought it was a rotten orange, black and decaying among a spoiled nest of old bones. Ooh but I could just make it out. Yellow skin bloated on the white bone. It was a skull, tiny, a baby's. Oh my God. My soul would leave my body right then. Bye. I let out a shout. I didn't know what else to do. It smelled awful, and I had an overwhelming urge to get away from it. As you should. Quickly, I scrambled through the mud and kicked myself up against a tree, my heart racing. Sarah was there. She was crying. She had been waiting for me by the street and came over when she heard me shout. She must have always known. I never saw her again, and all of the girls were pulled out of school. The local news report said that her father had decided he had enough kids and had been burying each newborn, oh my god, and had been burying each newborn out by the gully. But they recovered five tiny bodies, all girls, and I wonder if he had just been waiting for a son. Holy shit. As soon as he said black garbage bags, I was like, mm-mm, there's a body in there. Okay, moving on. I was getting ready to go to bed one night, quite late, around midnight, after watching crappy TV. 
I called my dog and went to the backyard. There's no moon, no yard lights, so I'm standing in pitch blackness, waiting for the dog to wander out for a piss before a bed. And as I'm standing there, I get the strongest feeling that I'm not alone. Not the usual paranoia of standing in the dark, but it was more like my brain's proximity alert was going off hard. The hair on the back of my neck raised too, and my arm's hairs started to prickle. The garden was deathly quiet and far too still for comfort. I'm in a state of hyper-awareness. My dog trots out, stops to stretch and yawn, and suddenly his ears prick right up. He's a big white bull terrier, 90 pounds of dog, so for those who don't know the breed, when they catch a scent they find interesting, they make a ready stance for an easy pounce. Now, he was the friendliest and calmest bull terrier I had ever had. Wouldn't harm a fly. But at this moment, his hackles go right up, intently staring into the darkness and growling like a fucking demon. Whatever's there has him pissed off. And then he's off, tearing into the blackness, barking and growling viciously at the unknown thing. I lose my shit and yell for him that I'm going to murder whoever's in my yard and start running into the dark after him, swinging, but silently praying I don't connect with anything. (laughs) Oh my god. Braver than me. (laughs) But good for you for getting your dog. I wouldn't leave my dogs. Nope. All this happened in a split second. Then I hear a sickening thwack. My Oh my god. My poor dog yelps and I see him tearing back to the house with his tail between his legs and his snout and head covered in blood. I'm still standing in the darkness, barefoot. My fear turns to anger because who or whatever this fucker is, it hurt my dog. I stand up straight and yell out, I'm going to find you and cut your fucking throat if he is not okay. I hear a bunch of loud scrapes and thuds at my wooden gate like someone is climbing it and then the garden is silent again. I take my chance and bolt inside to find my dog cowering under the couch. I grab him and give him a big hug to calm him down, his head covered in blood from nose to ears. But after cleaning him up, I can't find any wounds. I realized he mauled the intruder and must have ripped their legs up really well. I let him sleep with me in my bed that night with a baseball bat, just in case whoever it was came back with friends for round two. My dog remained the goofball he always had been, but walked with a swagger after that night. He was very pleased with his bravery. Oh, good boy. That's so, oh my gosh, that's so scary. Okay, y'all, we are going to end on a short one, another short story. So here we go. I'm a very practical and logical guy. When I first experienced sleep paralysis, I researched it and found that with it, you may have odd slash sometimes scary experiences, but that ultimately it was nothing to be afraid of. Pretty used to it by now. Anyways, I lived in the Hudson Valley with my parents in an old wooden house built in 1712. Old but comfortable. One night, I fell asleep in the attic on the guest bed watching The Walking Dead. Around 6 a.m., I think, I had a dream. I forget the beginning, but I remember trying to escape the house for some unknown reason. Then I experienced a feeling of dread, probably from my sleep paralysis, but got a sense that a feminine ghost, spirit, what have you, wanted me to stay. Badly. Nothing violent, but it was such an intense feeling. I felt stuck, and this is when I noticed my sleep paralysis. I focused on moving my pinky finger, which helps me snap out of it, and woke up. After a few seconds, the door to the back of the attic, the creepy part of the attic, LOL, jumped open. Mm, Nope, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Mm -mm -mm. Now, the door has a latch that's fairly secure. You can push the door all you want, but as long as it's closed, it won't open. Also, this happened with the door before at random moments. I closed the door and go back to bed. Turned on the lamp next to the nightstand. Why do people just go back to sleep? Within, Within a few seconds, the lamp blinked on and off. This could be for a number of reasons, but I've never noticed that happen before. 
I don't believe in ghosts, but it's been hard to come up with a logical explanation for this one, especially concerning the latch. I fiddled with it a bunch, and you would have to lift it, otherwise it won't open. It still happens sometimes at night. Ugh, no thank you. <sighs> All right, y'all. Well, this is going to conclude our third installment of creepy slash scary AF Reddit stories. I hope you all enjoyed and we will see you back here on Thursday. Bye. Three,